Welcome to the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome with Wendy Bowlesby and Melissa Kirscher. Listeners to Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. I am Melissa and I am here with Wendy. And Aww. we are once again recording cross country. Mm-hmm. I, I'm in Minneapolis, she's in Austin, and we are blending together with the magic of technology. Yay, technology. Yay, t- go, go tech. Go tech. Yeah. Go tech. Go tech. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't have a job if it wasn't for these computer <laughs> things. Oh, you and you me know. both. Yeah, really. I'd be totally unemployable. No, probably not. But anyway. Which is why I forgive my computer for its need to blow its fan constantly. What the hell? That sounds kind of dirty. <laughs> anyway. <Cavity>. Anyway. <laughs> so, Melissa, what are you drinking on this fine evening? I am drinking a surly beer. And uh, mm. this time I am drinking Todd the X-Man India Pale Ale. <laughs> it is. It's true. It's true. It, it's got a very metal-looking uh, design on the front. It's a very pretty-looking can. But yes, it is a beer that Surly made to pay ode to the Axeman stores here in the Twin Cities. Hello, dear listeners. This is Melissa of the future. The thing I just said about this Surly bear being an ode to Axeman stores? Totally not true. I'm not sure how I got that idea in my head, but after recording, I found out that Surly's Todd the Axeman beer is made by Surly in collaboration with a brewer named Todd who is at Amager Brewery in Copenhagen, Denmark. The axe being referred to is his guitar. So yeah, I was totally wrong. Like really totally wrong. But I'm leaving this bit in the episode because the beer is awesome and because I start talking about Axeman stores and Axeman stores are also awesome. Yes, it is a beer that Surly made to pay ode to the X-Man stores here in the Twin Cities. Oh, that's so great. I kind of wondered because Surly is a Twin Cities beer. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. so It's so nice the way they paid homage to a store full of freaks and freaky things. Mm-hmm. Aww. Or, or rather a chain of stores because there's like six of them. And I love yes. every single one of them. Okay, dear listeners... Axeman is a thing that just happens in Minneapolis and St. Paul, and it is a set of stores where um, they're, they're kind of like surplus stores, but they're kind of tipped towards uh, people who are the sort of people who go, I need circuit boards by the pound and 18 Erlenmeyer flasks. <laughs> and per- and perhaps one of those X- <laughs> things that you display x-rays on, because they have those too, and perhaps a mannequin. So it's it's a sort of place where you go if you're building an art car or maybe a robot. <laughs> <laughs> or in case, you know, you just have eclectic tastes, you just go there. The, and the beautiful thing about Axeman is that, you know, all the 
inventory in all the stores are is different because it's whatever they can get surplus. Uh, and all of the signs for every single thing in the store is handmade. And the employees are given free reign to put whatever the hell they want on those signs. So yes. if it's like a barrel filled with six-sided dice, they will make up some crazy explanation for what these cubes are. And there will be a whole story and then the price. It's true. It's beautiful. It's like an art project. It's beautiful. It's a glorious thing. X-Man is where I go when I am in need of inspiration. Like there's, Mm -hmm. there's a project here. There's, there's something that I'm wanting to do. I will go and I will find it at X-Man. Yes. Yes. It's harder for me to go and find it at X-Man now. (laughs) <laughs> Melissa, I have to be honest. Uh, oh, I should say what I've been drinking. Yes, Pizza you should. You I, should. I have a very workmanlike yellowtail Shiraz cab in nice. my glass. Mm-hmm. I have. I ran off to roller derby practice without eating dinner, uh-uh. and I still haven't eaten oh. dinner. So this one glass is probably going to do me fine. Oh my! We're just we're just going to keep this one glass. We're going to sip it. We're going to be we're going to we're going to be conscientious. We're going to be. Yeah, I'm going to keep it under control. I'm just saying. I'm going to call it right now. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. At some um, point, I'm probably going to stop and make you eat some bread in the middle of the episode. <laughs> oh, I have pasta already made up that I'm oh, okay. going to okay, completely good. chow down on when we're done here. Okay, that's um, good. I have been daydreaming about taking the drive up for a Xanus in a weekend. I'm just saying. Mm. Like, I feel like that needs to happen maybe maybe February. Oh, that'd be good. We right? Could, we could unite for our birthdays. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we can make this work. We can make this work. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, but listeners, we do have a Xanus and a holiday on the calendar. We do. For Black Friday. Yes. It is the day after Thanksgiving for those of you not in the US, if we have one or two of you. I am looking forward to that because there are many, many things in the theaters that I have not got, gotten to see yet. Right? It's mm-hmm. going to be great. We're going to spend a day in the theater. And then we will talk about it later. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will I will do, and we will be tweeting and, and Facebooking and posting throughout the day. So you should follow. You should go. You should go spend the day in the theater with us and let us know what you're doing. But, um, Melissa, what are we going to talk about tonight? The Babadook. Babadook, duke, duke. Yes. So, you know, a year later, <laughs> we are <laughs> going to finally talk about the Babadook because Wendy just saw it and got very excited about it. And she knew that I had seen it the previous year at Fantastic Fest and I got very excited about it and wanted to talk about it. So we are going to talk about the Babadook because it's that kind of year. At that time yes. of year, it's around about Halloween. And uh, yeah, it's about that time to talk about this crazy horror movie stuff. Yes. Okay, so um, The Babadook, it is on Netflix right now, listeners. Yes. So uh, you should definitely seek it out. I kind of loved it. Well, I I loved it too. And although I think it's perfect, but it's not perfect. And uh, it is a love it or hate it movie, as we. I believe we both have found um, there. There are yeah, some people. I was who, talking to Cargill about it last night, and he does not like it. Cargill does not like it at all, yeah. which I find very interesting. And I have a theory. Yeah. We'll get into that. And I have my theories too. But we will. We will indeed get into that. <laughs> so, dear listeners, if you if you saw the Babadook and you hated it, please send us something, and we can talk about it. <laughs> we can talk about yeah. that. We can come back. I like. Li- I would love totally. to cover listener mail. Like, oh, oh yeah. we have somebody who disagrees with our viewpoint or is offering something else up. That Indeed. would be the shit. Oh, yeah. I love that stuff. Yeah. 
Please, please tell us that you're listening, please. Okay, so I'm going to give a quick thumbnail sketch of the plot. Mm -hmm. A woman, single mother with a small boy boy child. Mm -hmm. And you find out very quickly that the reason she is a single mother is the father died in a car accident while they were on their way to the hospital for her to deliver this child. Mm -hmm. This child is about seven, I want to say. Yeah, seven. Seven. So it's been seven years that she's been without... A husband she's been raising this child alone the child um is obsessed with the idea that there's a monster in the house under his bed etc he keeps making like monster weapons monster traps um his behaviors are um difficult mm-hmm. he so he is getting isolated socially which is causing her to be isolated socially she is struggling with trying to care for this child um it is exhausting her. And then a book called The Babadook appears in the house and they go to read it uh, for for bedtime. And it acts as, and I'm giving this as a very straightforward summary, it acts as a summoning spell mm-hmm. right in the pages. And the Babadook starts uh, infesting their house and they have to deal now with whatever this creature is. That's the plot on the face of it. Right. On the face of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll we'll kind of leave it there until we get to the point where we want to go into sort of spoiler territory, or do we just want to go there now? Because... Uh-huh. Well, I think we... I, I mean, it's hard to talk about this further than the point you brought it to without going into spoiler territory, because either we're going to talk about plot points that happen later on, or we're going to talk about uh, what the movie is really talking about. Well, um, (laughs) I do want to cover something quickly. Yeah. Or maybe not quickly, but I do want to cover something first. My thumbnail sketch glosses over the fact that it becomes clear very quickly that the child has special needs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This child, um, as somebody who used to teach in the public school system and used to teach kids with behavioral disorders, this kid has a behavioral disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, it is not just your run-of-the-mill moppet, right? Yeah. Um, what I in particular like about this film, your two central characters, the mom and the, the kid, aren't really likable because they are both really damaged. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And... And it can be really off-putting, like these are supposed to be the people that you're rooting for, but the child exhibits behavior that cross over the line from I can empathize to, holy shit, that kid's fucked up, that kid's annoying, that kid did inappropriate things. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, And having been in a public classroom with kids like this, I'm like, I recognize exactly what is happening. I know that kid. Mm -hmm. I've tried to teach that kid. And, th- like, you can empathize with the fact that it's not that kid's fault, but it doesn't make it any easier to deal with that kid. Right. And so to see a parent on film, to have this represented on film, I feel, is really powerful. And I can mm-hmm. understand why people, like, you can get turned off by these characters and be like, I don't want to watch a movie about these awful people. But I'm like, yes, but at the same time, we talk about representation a lot for you know, gender and for sexuality and Mm -hmm. for race, we don't have a lot of representations of what behavioral disorders really look like. Right. 
and right. what they really look like for for a parent to have to deal with it because it's exhausting and this poor woman is all alone and you see that this kid is constantly interrupting her sleep Mm -hmm. she never gets to sleep alone and she never gets a moment of peace and he's always doing something at school that crosses the line and he's always doing something on the playground that crosses the line and she never gets to drop her guard and she this poor woman, and it becomes clear she's still grieving the husband from seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is the actual setup for the story, listeners, is these are two profoundly broken people. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to tell the story about a force that comes into their life. Right. And and I think the, the point about empathy that you brought up, I think, is uh, really strong because it. I find it really easy to empathize with her it's the um i i don't think she's an i don't think she's an awful person at all you can tell she is she is you know swimming upstream (laughs) and she is she is exhausted and she it is very clear that the situation with the child has gone beyond the point where she can actually handle it and she's she's still trying and she's she is never going to drop that ball but she is just so behind that she can't catch up. And I mean, they make it clear like the school is not helping at all. Right, right. Like this is a school age kid and he's doing things in classes that are problematic, Yeah, but they are not offering any supports. It's like, it's like the school has never heard of EBD, Mm -hmm. emotionally and behavior disordered kids or kids that have behavior problems. And they're just like, yeah, he needs something we don't have here. And so now this woman is like, well, they're, wa- they're wanting to put him in an isolated classroom. And that's not going to help? And it's not. And she's like, no. And so they're like, well, that's all we can do. And she's like, then I'm taking him out of your school and I'm going to find someplace else to put him. But now he's out of school and mm-hmm. she's got to go to work. Yeah. And what is she? Sp- and she's got a sister. But then the sister is like, I can't deal with your kid anymore. Mm-hmm. Your kid is too hard. Like, think about that, that your own family doesn't recognize that your kid is special needs and i can but on the other hand you can see that like the son her, the, the main kid the son his cousin the sister's daughter ends up hurt because of him mm-hmm. through an accident and but- so you you can you can see where the sister is coming from because i mean the her child does get hurt and her job is to protect her child and so it if she genuinely feels like she cannot handle this child, um, yeah, she absolutely shouldn't allow the child into her home. I mean, it's, um, and going back to the point where this poor mother is so far behind that she can't catch up. It's like she has already burned that relationship with her sister so badly that her sister's not going to, uh, go beyond her comfort zone to help. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you can't, and you kind of can't blame her. I mean, it's the thing of, We've all been in Target when a kid starts screaming. Yeah. And you're like, oh my God, deal with your kid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And my theory about how people react to this is, are you a parent or have you ever, have you lived that? Mm-hmm. Like, not necessarily, like, if you're a parent and you've had to deal with your kid having a meltdown, you immediately get it. If right. you're if you're somebody who's ever had to deal with emotionally and behaviorally disordered kids, you get it. Mm-hmm. If you're somebody who's ever had to deal with mental illness, 
You right, get it. Right. But if you don't have any of those ways in, these characters are just off-putting and you're like, I can't handle them. They're not likable. No, they're not because they're at the end of their fucking rope. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Both of them, this poor kid. And he's he wants so badly to be a good kid for his mom. And it's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. But but you you look at him when he's acting out and he, and it's awful. It is oh, awful. Yeah. It, it, it he's is. He's just screaming bloody murder, and you're just like, oh my god, stop! He is screaming. He's hurting other people. He is uh, d- destroying things in the house. He he's awful. He's awful to deal with. Yeah, e- EBD kids. They are not likable. And the only reason I was remotely good at teaching them is every day was a new day and I was willing to let yesterday go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was my one strength with dealing with them. Because, like, I can't handle a kid sassing me, throwing things, being awful any more than anybody else can. Right. So there's a powerful scene. And it's um, it's about midway through the movie. Well, maybe more like two-thirds. Like... Things have gotten out of hand at home. The Babadook has been doing some shit. But she still doesn't believe it's real. She thinks her son is just making it up. And Mm -hmm. she goes to the doctor. Her son won't sleep. Her son won't sleep. And if her son's not sleeping, she's not sleeping. Right. And when he does finally sleep, he's with her. And he's all over her. And he's in her space. And she can't sleep. And she's at the doctor and she's and the she, the doctor's like, yeah, we're going to do this, this and this. And we're going to try these things. And she's like, yes, but in the meantime, would you please give me some sleeping pills for him? Mm-hmm. And you can and the doctor's not even in frame, but you can feel the waves of disapproval because that's what it's like to be a parent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you can. Oh, you're just wanting to drug your kid because you because you're a lazy fucking mother. And but you can see how broken and at the end of her tether is, and she's just and you can see her just like, I haven't slept in weeks. She just breaks down. You can tell she is at the end of her rope, and and you know he finally relents. But it's she she just first of all, Essie Davis, the actress in that oh role, is devastatingly good. She is so amazing in this she role. She is brittle. She mm-hmm. is like made of of like sugar glass you can see all the edges of her crumbling and cracking she is amazing in that role that if anything no matter what you you think of how the plot of this movie plays out or you know what happens watch her performance her performance is amazing it's just astounding yeah so good so good so good and like and the, at one point, child protective services is called. Mm-hmm. So I mean, not only is she not getting support, she is actively dealing with the fact that she looks like a bad mother, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and she is trying to do her best for this kid who is exhausting her. And and at some point, she's like, "I just need him to not wake me up. I need I need to sleep. I don't mm-hmm. have any resources, and there is nobody capable of taking him off my hands so that I can recover." And I like I can have some spoons to deal with him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, a yeah. Lot, and then you know, as we talked about, and then there's the fact that while she is being worn down by him, she's dealing with shit too. Mm-hmm. Her grief for her husband is immediate. Mm-hmm. It is still like right under the skin. Oh, 
Well, I mean, and, and I'm sure it's a, a vicious cycle of she has nobody to take the kid off her hands. And so she's pining for this husband who was never there from the, you know, from the day he was born. Yeah. So she, it's, it's this, you know, she's yearning for something that was taken away from her. And the, the fact that she continually needs this thing that she wants is further driving that, that want in. Yeah. Yeah. Like, how do you get over the loss of something when every day you need it? Mm -hmm. Oh my God, my life would be so much easier if I just had one other person helping me care for this child. Yeah. Yeah. And would this child be, have these issues, as many of these issues, if there had been another parent around? I mean, because EBD is both a product of chemistry and environment. Mm-hmm. Like, so there is something to be said for if the father hadn't died, would the kid be in this bad of a shape? Probably not. Mm-hmm. And she would have had more resources to get inter. That's the other thing to get interventions sooner. Right. Because there would have been a second income. Right. There would have been somebody else with the time. So one or the other could take a little bit more time off work to go deal with it. Mm-hmm. Like, like being a single parent is awful sometimes. Yeah. I grew up in a single parent household and, you know, it, it went fairly well for me, but it's because, you know, my, my dad was present too. And, you know, just in you know, a separate family and, yeah. uh, you know, my, my grandmother pitched in and, you know, I was hand, I had three different bedrooms. I was handed around to various different places around any given week, but that's how that worked. That's how I got brought up. If it was just my mom, it would have been terrifying for yeah. both of us. I mean, my mom had two male childs and me. And, mm-hmm. and then we all hit, you know, we were all teenagers at the same time. And <laughs> oh, God. It, it did not go well. I imagine. Yeah, I had one brother barely graduate, another one drop out, get his GED. And there were there was a trip to juvie in the middle of the night for one of them. Mm. Welcome to being a single parent, especially a single mother. Yeah. There's something very specific about that. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so let's get into the Babadook. First off, yeah. I love the way he looks. It's London After Midnight, baby. It, it, is. it is Lon Chaney Sr. in London After Midnight. Like, that's exactly what she based the look of it on. Yep. It's so great. It's the sharp teeth and the long fingers and the, the top hat and the... And the growing shadow that takes form. Yeah. That gets elongated and tall. Mm -hmm. Um, And one thing like... And and so it's always like one part uh, Nosferatu as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And the book, Mm -hmm. I would love to have the book. And apparently they did sell the book partially as a a fundraiser and and a marketing thing. I I would love to have the actual... Because it's a pop-up book, listeners, in the movie. And it's got all these crazy interactive things. And it looks just fucked up awesome oh yeah and there there are things like dead dogs and shit (laughs) it's it's terrifying but also like one of the things when she was creating the look of the babadook is that she wanted even when it was making its presence known in the house for it to look like the pop-up book Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. it to look a little bit like paper a little bit like uh diy a little handmade a little rough around the edges right 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 i love that mm-hmm. i love it mm-hmm. 
Oh. And it's a claustrophobic film because <gasps> when it it really just comes down to the mom and the son in this house because she does she does she get fired or does she take time off? Well, it's not entirely clear, but I think she essentially gets fired because she took too many days sick because she has to watch this kid who is no longer in school. Yeah, the kid is like on a two week. She's break. been making yeah. excuses. And, uh, you know, eventually you know, one of her coworkers drops by a young man who's in, clearly interested in her. And he learns that the kid has not been sick, but has been misbehaving so badly that he get kicked out of school. And of course, that kind of, you know, dims the fires immediately and he yeah. goes away. But the, the fact that they're in this house together brings in this isolation, which um, feeds very heavily into the theme of what I'm pretty sure the movie is about. <laughs> Actually <Yeah>. about. <laughs> which is very interesting to me. But we'll, we'll get into that later. Yeah. Um, she, the, the, the set was built. The house was constructed mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. to heighten the claustrophobia as they're just basically trapped in this one house. Mm-hmm. Oh, the poor woman. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, what's fascinating is the director, Kent, it's a female director who wrote and directed it. Yeah. And, uh, yay. Yep, Jennifer um, Kent. Uh, and and uh, made, made in uh, New Zealand. If I'm, Australia. 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 It, yeah. And she, House uh, Founders New Zealand. This is Australia. Um, I, I saw them both in the same year, so it's like, yeah. yay. Um, quote, director Jennifer Kent on her desire to avoid the cliched Australian feel of the film. Yeah. Yeah, she wanted um, she wanted it to be very accessible and universal. So she made the house a Victorian, even though there actually aren't a lot of those in Adelaide. Mm -hmm. But she kind of was looking ahead to I'm hoping this plays in other markets. Um, It didn't do well in Australia, but then it went to Sundance and it started getting some buzz and Mm -hmm. momentum. Yeah, and it got really good word at uh, Fantastic Fest because it went over really well. And then it pretty much open wide over here mm-hmm. and then did well. Yeah. Which is great. Um, but she's a first time director. Yeah. First time director. She had done short films before, including one in 2005, which was a short version of this yeah. uh, called monster, which I believe is still out there on YouTube somewhere. But uh, it, it was like the kind of proof of concept that uh, eventually be- became the Babadook. Yeah. Baba Duke Duke Duke, Duke. And it, Oh yeah Because mm-hmm. that's what it says in the movie Baba Duke 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 And I keep doing that to Chris And he kind of is getting mad at me But mm. in all fairness After we watched Juon He kept making that creepy noise at me So Well there you go Turnabout's fair play Revenge <laughs> um, so Kent, I just read this. This is so fascinating. Um, she was an actress, got mm-hmm. bored with that, wanted to direct. So she convinced Lars von Trier to let her come work on Dogville. Yeah. And be an assistant, and that was basically her film school. Yeah. Like that's so cool. It's a, like, it's amazing. And talk about Hutzpah. Hi, Mr. Von Trier. Uh, let me come help on your movie so I can learn how to do things. Yeah, and, and of all people, Lars von Trier. Oh my God, I don't right? know. If, I don't know if I could work with Lars von Trier. I don't know if I could either. Oh God, um, I've seen too many of his films. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, uh, I'm and part of listeners. Part of what I'm doing here is sort of filling in some trivia before we get down into my down what and dirty is, into the Babadook. 
into what's really going on. Yeah. Um, so I like she talks a lot about dealing with the child actor and that um, much like a in The Shining. The, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the kiddo was like he knew in general terms what the movie was about, but she shielded him from all of the darker aspects yeah. of it. So when they would film the scenes where the mother loses her shit and is mm-hmm. yelling at him, mm-hmm. the mother was actually yelling at an adult actor who was just on his knees so she would have somebody to focus on. Yeah. So that poor kid never got yelled at like that. That's and that good. kid, they didn't even do a full read through of the script with the child present. Mm-hmm. Like they kept it very <laughs> And I'm like, "Yes, thank you." Way to be an actual director. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would like to say that that child actor is very good because he's mm-hmm. given he's given a tough role too. I mean, this is he's. I never saw that kid as an actor. Yeah. I saw that kid as a kid with fucked up problems, and right. was like, "Oh, that poor kid." Like that's saying a lot. Normally, act like kid actors. You know, they they have these ticks that give away the fact that they're pretending. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, not that kid. She did an excellent job with him. Yeah, most most child actors have a a sense of mugging for the camera. They're never really quite genuine, and you know, which is which is why when you find a really great child actor like uh, Haley Joel Osment or somebody like that, you know, that's Fred Savage. Fred Savage, you know, somebody who can do well and be and yet come off as genuine. Um, it's this tremendous find. And this kid is really... You never stop to think of him as an actor. Yeah. You're, you're just like, that's an annoying kid. That is an annoying child. <laughs> um, and the director, Jennifer Kent, like she talked about, and this is something I really appreciate, that she wanted to really bring a real perspective to parenting. Mm-hmm. And the fact that a lot of women struggle like no you don't really want to kill your kids but we are not allowed to ever express the fact that we're kind of just done being a parent right now oh yeah yeah guys I, get I, to but mothers do not mothers have to love their kids 24 7 yeah and if you express frustration it has to be humorously yeah the society just drives it so deep that um you are not supposed to you know, show frailty in the face of you're supposed to be a perfect mother. You're supposed to be always nurturing and must give everything to your child. And I cannot think of another movie that does so well as this one showing really genuine reaction of a woman who is so struggling with the fact that she cannot do that. Right. Yeah. Like, and, and not, so that they can paint her as a bad mother or a no. bad person so that we can then have the plot move forward. And you're like, well, she's, she's a bitch. I don't care about her, but showing you like this poor woman is trying to be a mother and she's got nothing left. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like that's that reality does not show up in yeah. film, in, in Ever. our, in, in our culture as something acceptable for a woman to just go, I'm done. I can't do this. Yeah. I was reading an article the other day, and you know, this is tangential, but um, there's a growing and very, very timid and very secretive community of women online that are forming communities where they can talk about, I think having a child ruined my life, you know, and or, you know, things of that nature of the, 
I think this was a mistake of becoming a mother or I'm not actually cut out for this. I'm not cut out for this. Or, um, you know, I thought I was ready for this and I'm not, or, you know, the, it is so taboo to reject a woman for a woman to be for a woman specifically a man can, I, I feel get away with, Rejecting oh, yeah. the fact that he has that, children. I mean, there, there, the there are still narrative. Yeah, and like there's the, still... the man's like, I still want to sow my wild oats. I still want to have sex, and I'm tied down by this wife and kids. Mm-hmm. And you may not, you he may not be held up as an exemplar, Mm-mm. but it's understood why he'd want to. Mm-hmm. Whereas a, a woman who rejects her children is a monster. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hell, I struggle with the fact that. I don't, when Teddy has playdates and wants us to play with her mm-hmm. and her friends, it's Chris who does it because I have no interest mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. It's Chris who takes Teddy trick-or-treating because I really have no interest at all. Mm-hmm. I like giving out candy. It's not like I don't like kids. I like spending time with my kids, yeah. but there are a lot of experiences with my kid where I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to play pretend with my daughter. I, mm-hmm. I really don't. I'll talk to her about movies. I'll, t- I'll read books with her. But when it comes to like playing tag and making an effort physically, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no. And I'm ashamed of it. And I don't talk about it a whole lot other unless I admit it humorously. Right. I can admit right. it as a joke. Isn't it funny what a bad parent I am? I feel like Irma Bombeck uh, <laughs> ah. has 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 a, a, a lot to uh, it, women owe a lot to Irma Bombeck. I'll just say that. Yes, <laughs> and we oh, hey, kind of forget that. <laughs> did you catch the the homage to Mario Bava? Yes, I thought you. Yes, would. oh, indeed. Oh. It's like uh, I know that Bava movie. <laughs> Name that Bava. <laughs> Yeah, and, and milliers and, and so many other things. Yeah, um, like this director, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, mm-hmm. like she, she's she got some oh, film yeah. knowledge coming in behind her. Like yeah. she's, and she is a very confident director. Yeah. I, between this and like The Bad Batch, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think women, certain women, not all women, like, because as we know, like, um, Oh, what's her toes? Who did Point Break? Oh, Catherine Bigelow. Yeah, like, like, like there are women who tell a story that is more like can tell a story in a masculine way, a very masculine story, like a tradition, like a traditional. But I think there are some women who explore narrative in different ways than what is typically done, and those women get and those story is, is it an aspect of femininity? Is it a result of femininity or is it just a different perspective? Mm-hmm. Like as a res- like as a result of being a woman that is not about being a woman, but just because women live a different life? Mm-hmm. I don't know. But there's something about the emotional content and that the emotional content is the plot. Yeah. The the question of what um, what are we feeling and how do we feel about what's happening becomes so much more central in both this movie and The Bad Batch. Mm-hmm. Like and I I can't help but tie those two together because there's there's a there's a kernel there that feels similar to me. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, furthermore, I think it's interesting that a lot of these women who are making headway as directors have chosen typically male-dominated forms for these narratives. So like Catherine Bigelow is doing action movies and The Hurt Locker and war movies and stuff. Um, you've got Lexi Alexander doing things like The Punisher movie and uh, uh-huh. means, uh, Green Street Hooligans. And you have uh, Kent here doing a horror film. Yeah, she, and- she is using a horror film as the structure to hang all this emotional baggage on, which I think is fascinating. Well, and um, what's your face? Um, Amirpur, um, Anna Lily. Yeah. Like both A Girl Walks Home Alone at Midnight and Bad Batch are definitely in the genre wheelhouse. Indeed. Indeed. Like it's kind of like for a woman to direct, she either needs to direct a romantic comedy and be really traditionally girly or go to the fringes yeah. of what is acceptable mm-hmm. go to the, go to the weird place go to the go to the genre place because that's so outside the norm like as we've seen women don't just get standard drama directing jobs like look at poor uh, barbara streisand just trying to get a little respect for the prince of tides yeah yeah really <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like oscar bait written all over it fuck you no directing nom for you yeah yeah mm. and i mean don't get me wrong i don't I don't have a lot of love for that movie, but if you're going to nominate it for Best Picture, it's a little conspicuous. You didn't nominate the director. Yeah. Yeah. It always is. So, yeah. wow. Who directed that Best Picture? How did that get to be so good? How odd. Hmm. <laughs> um, especially now that we have 10 Best Pictures and five directing. It's like, huh. Yeah, but Princess so Tides was, was prior to that, to be fair. And that was the year of the woman, too, even, as uh-huh. we all remember. All right, so we're back to the spoiler, 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 spoiler. Okay. Spoiler. Oh God. I did it in the vomity voice. All right, so Melissa, what is this movie actually about? I think it's about mental illness. I do too. So I, my theory is that the people who walked out of this not caring for this movie have either not dealt with mental illness themselves or have had a close family med- member with mental illness. Yeah. The way this is shot and presented, mm-hmm. by the end, you are never entirely sure if what is happening is really happening. Is there really a demon in the house, the Babadook? Mm-hmm. Or is this woman having a breakdown? Yeah. Due to lack of sleep and anxiety and stress and depression. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And of course, the kid is not a reliable narrator at all. Nope. So you are, when you walk out, you don't know. Was it real or was it not? Mm-hmm. And even mm-hmm. the ending doesn't make it clear. And I love the ending. Yeah. And the I, I have issues with the ending, but I think uh, we'll, we can approach that later and it's and it's more about tone than any anything else it's like it didn't quite stick the landing i think it it has the exact right ending like plot wise writing wise that's that is the perfect ending for what this the story for the story that this is telling but uh the tone didn't quite 
I can see what you're saying there. I actually can. Yeah, but we'll we'll talk about that later. So listeners, as the Babadook is becoming more prevalent, Mm -hmm. um, the mother and the son are also breaking down farther. Yeah. And you're starting to wonder, is this really happening? Nobody else is seeing or hearing anything. Uh, By the way, I was really concerned for the neighbor at one point. Oh, God, yes. Oh, like, yes. I was really concerned the neighbor was going to bite it. Yeah. Like s- something was going to happen there because she's such a sweet old lady. Yeah. And let's let's be honest here. This is a fantastic horror movie in that. How rare is this? Everybody who was alive at the beginning is still alive at the end, with the exception yeah. of the dog, which is exactly. sad. I, I am sad about the dog. Nobody <laughs> dies, but you are worried the entire time about what's going to happen. Fess got really wrapped into the movie. He didn't want to watch it. And then he, of course, started watching it. And uh, when it was clear the dog was in trouble, Fess scooped up Max and ran upstairs with <laughs> Max. <laughs> it's like, I can't let our dog see the scene. <laughs> I know what's coming. <laughs> that's so cute. Oh dog my God, in that's trouble, adorable. no. <laughs> <laughs> I Hold thought on, that was- I'm going to... I'm going to pour another half a glass of wine. Mm, mm. I think that's important. Yeah. Mm. Ooh, yes. And then, listeners, there's a point because it keeps coming back to the book. And like I said, the book is so visually wonderful. I love it. And it's beautifully shot. This whole movie, it feels like it's in black and white, but it's not. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Until the end. Until the end. Right. When it becomes saturated. Yeah. So there's there's something in the book about it it wants you to let it in. It's going to possess you. Yeah. And there is a shot where it something black like it looks like the Babadook is going into her and then she's being awful and she's she's chasing her son and she's um stalking him and mm-hmm. she's so angry at him. You're such a little shit. You oh, I can't handle it. But you're still like on the one hand, possessed, but on the other hand, psychotic break. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Everything that she is doing once, you know, quote, the, the Babadook gets in is she's not doing anything supernatural. These are behaviors exhibited by people who have a total breakdown and they're, they're uh, violent, they're, they're suppressed violent uh, tendencies just fly. Yeah, they just, they just rip out of them, and it just—it is just this fire hose of everything just venting out. And once again, Essie Davis, tremendous actress. Oh my oh. god, when when she when she makes that turn, it is it is just chilling because yeah. she she just spins on a dime, and it's that. Um, but but you know, and then instantly goes she goes back into this you know, very damaged mother role. And then it just weaving in and out of these emotional states. Yeah. And it's, it is crisp. It is clear. Her, her performance is just perfect. Yeah. And you, you can tell like the, the moment the outburst is done, she turns around and realizes what she did. And it's the, the begging for forgiveness. She knows exactly what happened. And, 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 she knows. And like she anybody just, who's ever been in an abusive relationship yeah, knows yeah. that that turn. Yeah. And and on the one hand, is she possessed and now she's broken free? Or is this just somebody so damaged that they're abusing me and then they're recognizing what they just did and they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. and it's so, it's so powerful. And the kid... 
because the kid believes it's a monster. Yeah. The kid wholeheartedly believes it's a monster. The kid is so generous with her. Mm-hmm. Her son is so generous. Like, mom, this isn't you. It's the Babadook inside you. We have to get the Babadook out. Yeah, and it's like the the, the son has recognized it is not her. This is the monster inside her is it's an illness. This is something that is driving her to not be her, but it's inside. And isn't that what kids do with mental illness is they go, well, that's not my mom. That's when something weird happens to my mom. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. My mom, my mom loves me. This, this isn't my mom. So it must be a monster. This must be something else. So often little kids, when they're encounter, when they encounter a a family member that's got mental illness, this is one of the ways they cope with it Mm -hmm. until they understand what's really going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, oh, it, the, the, it, the kid becomes heartbreaking and also sort of a hero mm-hmm. as he's trying to fight the Babadook without hurting his mother. Mm-hmm. And, there, and there's also an aspect of, you know, going back to the monster thing is that, I mean, when you're inside, you know, when you're, when you're dealing with a mental illness, it definitely for me and surely for other people, um, it does feel like it drives you to be not you. it's it it makes you do things it's like this is not normal this is not how other people behave and i'm it's like i'm trapped inside and i can't stop what my body is doing that sort of thing it's the there there's compulsion there there's just this it's like an alien force and it's uh it's kind of a it's a distressing movie for me to watch, really. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was distressing for Ooh. for Chris and I because yeah. of the the child factor mm-hmm. and Chris's mother's mental illnesses, mm-hmm. and you know, and I was raised by a single mother, and like, there's a like, it's not an easy movie if you have a frame that allows you to see the movie, right? Like, if you are seeing it. Or what is really going on mm-hmm. it becomes very hard to watch yeah see if you if you are a person who is not recognizing these themes you know on a personal level i mean i can certainly see where when she does this violent turnabout and turns about on her son um that could drive a lot of people away yeah she, she's not yeah. likable and the kid has no. been not likable at all. Mm-hmm. At all. At and all. so what I really love about the ending is that they vanquish the Babadook. Yeah. They get they get the Babadook out of her. The spirit comes out of her. So if you want to accept that this act is an external force, they get it out of her. They have won. But. But. It, yes. it never goes away. It never goes and away. So if you want to just see it as a monster movie, the Babadook is this sort of kind of like housebound. Like this is just Mm -hmm. what we live with in the house now. Yeah. But if you want to see it as the representation of mental illness, Mm -hmm. this is what I live with every day. Mm -hmm. I, I control it. It lives in the basement. But I treat it with kindness I go down and I feed it every day. Mm -hmm. I don't yell at it. I understand what it is. I understand what it wants to do. I don't, I can't let it do that because it will hurt people. Mm -hmm. But 
I have empathy towards it. Yeah, you have to you have to kind of feed it and even nurture it to some point, but you have to definitely acknowledge that it's there. And when you go back to looking at the book again, this is what's valuable about the second time is you, once you finish the entire movie, you can go back and see what the book is saying. Like the, um, one of the phrases in the book, like the second time it comes back is, um, the more you deny, the stronger I get. Exactly. Yeah. So the, the harder that you try to pack it down and deny that it's there, um, it just lets it, lets it fester. So after they've beat the Babadook, there is a scene shift. It is mm-hmm. now some, I forget how long later. It's like two weeks later. And suddenly the movie is warm, sunshiny. Mm-hmm. And colors, they are wearing colors. And they they are relaxed. You can see they are, their physicality is, is so much looser. Their mm-hmm. shoulders are dropped. They are... They are warmer with each other. There is love again. They look rested. They look peaceful. Mm -hmm. And they're relating to each other. Like, uh, you know, the kid's doing magic tricks and she's actually being patient and watching with him. And it's not a chore for her to do. It's the, we are connecting as human beings right now. We're not. And they're going to celebrate his birthday on his actual birthday. Because Mm -hmm. for as long as he's been alive, his birthday is the (laughs) anniversary of his father's death. Mm -hmm. So they've celebrated it the day after. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because it was too painful. And this year, they're going to celebrate it on his birthday. So you're like, aha, they beat the Babadook. Ha ha, see how good their life is. And then, well, this is this thing we have to do now. We go down into the basement and we feed the Babadook. Because Mm -hmm. this is what we live with. And we can't ignore it. We can't punish it. We can't try to kill it. We can't vanquish it. We will never win. We just have to live with it. Mm-hmm. This is what we live with now. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, I I, it's love an amazing it ending. So much. It is so powerful in its acceptance of sometimes you just have to live with shit. Mm-hmm. This is just what you live with. I yeah. live with a demon in the basement that's called the Babadook. No, it's not good for me, but if I try to if I try to fight it, if I tried to kill it, it's just going to make things worse. So this is what I live with. I've got a Babadook in the basement. Yeah. And I think the only failure of that ending is that I feel like the tone is not quite right. It's like it goes almost euphoric, which which I can kind of understand. Like when you go through something like that and kind of come out on the other side, it's like, oh my God, there's a thousand pounds lifted off my shoulders. There's still this thing I have to deal with, but I feel like I can deal with society again. Yeah, but, like I, f- yeah, I, and- I agree with you. Like there's something about in the moment when they go into the basement, yeah. there needed to be more of a shift. Yeah, there it ended. Or I, I don't know what would have fixed it for me. It's just like, especially I feel like I'm better with the ending on like the second viewing, but the first time I saw it was super jarring. I almost feel like there needed to be maybe more of an acknowledgement, like more of as she's dealing with the Babadook in the basement of maybe even more of a maternal nurturing, yeah. like an acceptance moment more that might've smoothed it over. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It, it, it feels like, but when pain goes away, like, oh, yeah. like when I get terrible cramps, when the cramps release, my body is my body is so flooded with endorphins. It's like, oh my god! And, I, and I all feel you so are doing, all you are doing for the next like day is just, I feel good. 
I feel good. When pain goes away, your entire existence is, I feel awesome. Oh, Look yeah. at that. Or, or like, you know, if you if you know anybody who's gone through therapy or, you know, uh, come through on the other side of AA or something like that, and they just, you know, made progress on something that has been harming them for so long, they get they get like evangelical. It's like, I went through treatment and they, they won't fucking shut up about it. I know I got that way. And <laughs> because they feel great. And it's like, oh my God, I feel wonderful. And then, you know, everything calms down later. And so I can, I can see where that sudden shift into there's colors and we're happy now. It, it, it works on that sense, but in terms of storytelling, it's super jarring. And I feel like they could have still gotten that happiness out of the ending without in in a in a smoother transition of tone and uh, and and I, it is so it is so and and I'm not putting the best words to it it it's just like I feel like it doesn't quite stick the landing and that is the only flaw in this movie I kind of like it cuz weirdly it reminds me of the ending of the first nightmare on elm street oh yeah yeah so it's very <laughs> jarring. You're very like, wait, it was just that easy. And so then when they go down in the Babadooks in the basement, it's like, no, it's not that easy. Mm. So I think it isn't the transition of just wait, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. I think that I think where they needed where the fail on the on sticking the landing is the transition to going into the basement. That could be. That could be. Like, Although I, I, I love that jarring sort of whoa, what the. F- what yeah. all of I a sudden do everything's love. roses and butterflies yeah and i do love that there's like eight bar locks on that basement now <laughs> oh yeah it's like all the locks on the door all the locks <laughs> um i forget does she bring her son down there with her no no okay, she says yeah. get out of the house until i'm done and they have a whole system worked out yeah you go outside until i'm done that's right but I like yeah. how the sun is contributing, you know, filling the bowl with the worms and the the grubs and crap that they find in the garden yeah. to, to feed the monster. To feed the monster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. oh, it's so, like, I am more inclined to forgive a movie for being not perfect, for being a little bit of a mess, when I feel like it's got real content, emotional content it is trying to deliver. Oh, goodness, yeah. This is a, a meaty, meaty movie. Like Bad Batch? Like, mm-hmm. I I fully acknowledge it's not perfect. It's a bit of a mess. But I love what it's trying to say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this movie is the same. Like, I can understand, yeah, it doesn't quite stick the landing. I can understand, yeah, the two central characters are profoundly unlikable if you can't understand them. Right. But boy, howdy, if you can. Mm -hmm. What a powerful message to send to people who are struggling, even with, like, because it's easy to go, like, you know, profound mental illness, like, you know... Uh, bipolar or, you know, disassociative or Mm -hmm. I'm on the verge of a breakdown. How about we just deal with anxiety? Oh, yeah. Yeah. All of us, I feel like everybody, the older I get, the more anxious I get because the more I understand at any given moment how the various permutations of how I probably failed. (laughs) When you're young, you're ignorant. You don't understand all the things you probably should have done. The older you get, you're like, oh, I should have done that. I should have done that. They're probably judging me for that. They probably Mm -hmm. wished I hadn't said that. And then you go home and you're just anxious. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, and you just... 
learn to live with it and accept it and forgive it. Yeah. And I feel like as you get older, I think you get more ossified in your, your behaviors. And so it's harder to break out. You're, you're less flexible in your life in a lot of ways. Mm. So, you know, once anxiety sets in or depression sets in, or I think it's all the more hard to break out of it just because of habits that you've built up for 20 years. Yeah. Like I have gotten so used to berating myself for all the different things I've probably done wrong. Yeah. And I look for the things I've done wrong because I was taught, thanks to living in Minnesota, that I probably did something wrong. (laughs) So I should should go looking for it and I should be aware that it's probably going to come back to bite me subtly. Uh Mm-hmm. Subtly, why don't you like me anymore? Oh, because you got offended at something I said three months ago and never bothered to tell me. Oh, mm-hmm. hey, listeners, Minnesota can kill you in very slow, subtle ways. But on the same terms, I love Minnesota. I don't want to make you think I don't. <laughs> I miss all those Minnesotan faces. I don't miss Minnesotan winters. My windows are still open right now, Melissa. It's, it's cold and wet here. It is 75 degrees outside and it's beautiful. Damn it. <laughs> but you're gonna come down and be visiting me soon i'm so excited oh, for Bednamathon. yes but Bednamathon coming up all right so i feel like we're kind of toward naturally coming kind towards of, the kind end of, of i did want to hit on like specific imagery because we totally glossed over all like the horror movie shit that went on <laughs> oh yeah we did okay go yeah for we it. totally glossed that stuff over but i think it's so potent all the stuff that they that uh, Kent cued in on for the the horror movie stuff, like the the scary movie bits outside of S.E. Davis's performance, because it is um, all of the behaviors that drive the isolation of these two characters, mm-hmm. uh, and you know it feeds into the theme of mental illness, where it's like when you're mentally ill you need support more than before, but your behaviors often drive people away. And so it just feeds the illness more because you can't get social support because people are being driven away from you. And, and I'm reminded of what you said. Do you remember uh, belief, the the exorcism? The, yeah, of, the uh, uh, possession of Jan, uh, yeah. Janet Moses, yes. Yeah, and when they fill her ears with water, oh, like yeah. when you are mentally ill, the world becomes farther away you Mm -hmm. isolate Mm -hmm. yourself because you're like uh if you're self-aware enough you're like um this isn't real and i need to figure it out so i'm gonna step back if you're not self-aware you're like this is all awful and i'm gonna step back and so it becomes both ways if you end up in this little ball of awful yeah yeah. And and it becomes so potent when she finally is fired or just stops going to work, whichever, you know, that same scene, she lays down in bed and she starts not reacting to anything. Like the, yeah. the child, the child goes on, comes in and it's like, I'm hungry. I, there's no food. And, and that's the first time she explodes. It's like, she says something awful to him and, and he runs out and, uh, but she is just in bed for the longest time, just like, just go away. I can't. I can't. I, I, can't. I can't. I can't. I have nothing I just can't. else. I have nothing else left. And it's that, you know, the the weight of depression, you know, just you can't. Th- things get worse because you can't deal with them, but you can't deal with them. So you can't even get out of bed. 
And so that one scene, yeah, that one scene is very potent for, you know, that behavior and, um, like, oh, there's that scene when she, when her son takes the pill the first night, which actually ends up not going well, Yeah, but when she wakes up in the morning and she has slept Slept. herself out, yeah, she wakes up, she's just like, oh my God, I am. This is amazing. I am fully rested and you can see it in her face. And I'm like, I know that look. Yeah. Yeah. I I know that look of, oh my God, that was amazing. Mm-hmm. I got all the sleep I needed for the first time in forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, or the waking up to voices thing. Yeah. And I think that, and that's the thing that I think just happens to everybody. That's not a mental illness thing, but that, that the crazy noises that happen when you're almost about to spring awake and then like something loud happens in your head. It's not actually happening in the room, but it, it happens in your head and you wake up that that is used to great effect here. Uh And, um, there's great shadows and, and it's, is it a hat on a coat rack? Is it a thing? What's happening? Yeah. I love how the Babadook is often an empty suit. Yes. In that, Which, that, that's that meaty. Say? That's this, meaty. Oh, it's such great Ooh. like metaphor and imagery. Oh yeah, or you know, vomiting up the bile, which is a uh, uh, you know metaphor that's seen in many, many you know horror movies. Yeah. But the uh-huh. you know getting the evil out, you know, just bleh, and it's just this black crud. Well, and I mean and, that's what it feels like when you finally well, acknowledge yeah. the problems you're having. Of yeah, yeah, you've been you've been eating it, you've been stuffing it, yeah. and it's and it's just this lump inside of your chest. And when you finally let it out, it it is a purging. Yeah, and and it's sort of awful feeling, but it kind of feels good, like it does when you're vomiting. Yeah, like I feel awful, but I recognize. But this feeling of throwing something up. I, is making me feel better. Yeah, it's it's better. It's better on some level. <laughs> yeah, I th- I th- and you know, of course, the the insects and the bugs and the especially in like insomnia states, you get twitchy and you feel stuff and see stuff and hear stuff that's not there. Um, it's just ugh. there. There's so many things that are. It, like all of the creep out factor horror movie things, all the, these little trappings all feed into the theme, which I think is like, ooh, that's that's nicely constructed there. Like, yeah, like she either purposefully like thought about what cl- horror cliches she wanted to incorporate. Mm-hmm. Like one way or the other, she either approached it from mental illness and went that way or she approached it from cliches and went, I need to tie it back to mental illness. But mm-hmm. Every typical jump scare, tense moment, camera angle is serving both at the same time. Yeah, and that's yeah. really well done. Mm-hmm. And then you and you I, weirdly you kind of end up feeling empathetic towards the Babadook by the end of the film. Yeah, kind of. It's just it's sort of a single-minded thing. It I, like you know it's like you, a child. Yeah. A do you yeah. do you end up? Like, how do you judge, like, an animal that is just trying to kill something else so it has something to eat? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's killing something else, but this is what animals do. Yeah, that's how they how you have to survive. And children are animals. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, yes. Mm-hmm. My child is a budding evil genius. Of course. She monologues. Oh, my God, she monologues. 
<laughs> I've, I've, I've seen it. It's pretty amazing. Yes. I, I, I really want her to be an evil genius so she, you know, she can be a crime lord and make a lot of money and keep me in my old age. Oh, that would be I'm nice. putting this on record now, right? That would be nice. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, good. Yeah. She could uh, do that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Start her on some Scorsese movies. <laughs> oh that's awesome oh i'm trying to picture that i'm just oh that's delightful put her in front oh. of goodfellas it'll be fine it'll be fine it'll, what could possibly go wrong wolf of wall street She's not gonna, oh my god the wolf of wall street if you know teddy like that would give that would give that child ideas wait you mean you can just lie to people and get them to do what you want and end up ahead, but it's not really illegal? <laughs> huh. <laughs> like, Aww. that would open new avenues for my child that I, I don't know if they'd be healthy, but they'd probably be lucrative. All right. So, hey, I feel like, we, I feel like we've wrapped this up. Yeah? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah. If you haven't already watched the Bapadook, it's, it's oh. good. Oh, it's so good. It is very good. It is very. It is a solid little movie, and I hope to see Jennifer Kent making more stuff. Yes, I like her voice, like much like Anna Lily Amanpour. Am Amin Amirpour. Amirpour. I can never remember. She is confident in what she is doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It may not always succeed, but that is. But she is like, nope. That's exactly what I set out to do. Yeah, this is a movie that has all the polish of. A woman who made a uh, short film about it 10 years ago, and she's had that long to ruminate on it. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, you know, then we worry about the sophomore effort. Yeah, the sophomore effort, do. indeed. Indeed. Yeah. But she she I worked with she... Lars von Trier, so it'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> she learned the value of stubbornness, oh, apparently. Oh, God. Yeah, really. <laughs> oh. All right, listeners, mm-hmm. um, we should wrap this up, Melissa. We oh, should. we need to give our, uh, our recommendations. recommendations. What do you have, Wendy? I'm going to recommend that fucking video. Oh, and Pergonet? Pergonet. Pergonet. Pergante. My friend Eric Knight shared this on my Facebook wall, and it is hilarious and also kind of distressing. Yeah, it, it kind of does... Um, Wow. The level yeah. of ignorance that it displays, but it's basically somebody reading aloud all of random search terms of people, am I pregnant, except they can't spell pregnant. And the person reading it aloud is pronouncing it exactly as it said. And there are some lovely moments where you can tell this person is bemused and frustrated and kind of horrified mm-hmm. that they at what's what they're reading aloud and it is it's very enjoyable and also it's kind of a wake-up call learn how to fucking spell so we'll link that in the show <laughs> yes notes. we will starch masks wendy starch masks i know right <laughs> <laughs> i like, I like oh. the one time he like makes a running start at one of them and is like wait and and he just uh, yeah whoa 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 back up uh, and then you hear this masks. <sighs> starch masks, masks. <laughs> and the and the one that get, the, the one that gets me actually because there are two of them period question mark 
How is that a thing now? How did... I don't... What? Wow. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, that's... Uh... That's what I got to share this week. Because, I mean, I've been dealing for the last several years with the trend of making periods go away. Like, you're not supposed to put periods at the end of sentences anymore when you're texting or something like that. Because it makes you sound because, evil. I don't... But Because it makes you sound like you're really judgmental, yeah, apparently. I don't know. But... I so have I, consciously had to remove them because... Mm, I know. But, I know. But, but I've just started dealing with that and now it we've gone full circle and now it's period and question mark at the same time <laughs> what the hell i wow i am very very upset with the way humanity is going right now mostly because of that <laughs> right like it's both hilarious and heartbreaking yeah it's like trump yeah 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 there's there are people who are using multiple punctuations at the end of sentences this is not okay there are people who are breeding, who are who can't figure it out how to spell pregnant. Let's really stop and, like I said, okay, there are people who are who can't spell pregnant with devices that have autocorrect. I know. I can't anymore. I can't. Heavens. I can't. Heavens. So what have you got, Melissa? What are you going to share? Oh, hell, my my brain is gone. You know, I feel like I already recommended Axeman. Because Axeman... You, you did. Axeman is glorious. Axeman, if, if you have a chance to uh, be in the Twin Cities or if you already live there and have not seen an Axeman, go to an Axeman. Just go and look around and witness the glory that is Axeman. Witness me! Witness me! I, I feel like if if George Miller and his team of, of art designers went to Axeman, <laughs> clouds would open and angels would sing. Even though I don't believe in angels, they would just magically appear in the universe. It would just be this marriage made in heaven. Mm-hmm. Ah. Yeah, <laughs> truly. I need to give Very them a visit. So. Really. All right, Melissa, take us on home. Thank you, dear listeners, for joining us on Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. I have been Melissa, and that has been... Windy. And we look forward to seeing you in about two weeks when we talk about something else entirely. Ah! Yay! Yay! I don't know. What'll it be? I don't know. What are we going to do next? two weeks from now, brain? Oh, hell if I know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll figure yeah. it out. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> All right, <laughs> rock on. Rock on. Party, party on, Garth. Party on, Wayne. <laughs> I feel like I'm Garth. You must be Wayne. Am I Wayne? I'm probably Wayne. Maybe we're two Garths. <gasps> what if we are? Mm. Oh, come on. We're a little bit Wayney, too. Well, I think you're Wayne. Fair point. Because I'd be you, the one. Oh, come on. You, I know, you no. have OCD and you're not a little bit Wayne? You're a little bit controlling and a planner. But I'd be the one who turn around and goes, that's a Unix manual. <laughs> right? Okay, fair point. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally Garth. 